20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Game day, Sunday morning, Hackaday Podcast, 24 7, 365 days a year. Packers, Dolphins this afternoon, 3 25 p.m. Central Time at Lambeau Field before the Packers go on a two game road trip that starts off on Thursday night football. Joining me here, I'm Jake Turner. I'm in uh, tonight here joining with a good friend of mine from Cheesehead TV, staff writer and reporter, Zachary Jacobson. Good evening, Zach. Hey, what is up, Jacob? Thank you for for filling in for uh, filling in for the other Jacob. <laughs> hey, not a problem. That's what we do here on Pack a Day Podcast. We take care of our own. And uh, speaking about that, we got a lot to get into. We're gonna jump into the Dolphins preview. We're gonna talk about what's working, what needs improvement, what one certain coach on Mike McCarthy's staff said that really makes Packers fans will cringe. We're gonna jump into that. All right, Zachary. Couple hours before game time. People are currently at Krolls, Stadium View, outside Lambeau, tailgating right now. Why should Packer fans be excited for this game today? Well, I think there's a reason for optimism just because it, on one hand, yeah, it's it feels like it's late in the season because you look at the schedule, it's mm-hmm. November. You know, it's already, it feels like the season's already like nearing its culmination. But the reality is, there's still a whole half a season to play. The Packers are sitting at three, four, and one, and as we all know, this team is no stranger to adversity and flipping the switch to get hot at the right time. They did it with the run the table streak. Aaron Rodgers and and company did it with the relax in 2014. They had three straight years of one and two starts before they finally got things going. But as Randall Cobb noted earlier this week, he he even said this team feels different compared to those other teams where they were able to get hot at the right time. And it, it doesn't seem like he had that same kind of feeling about this team. You know, and, and I can't I can't blame him. And this is another thing, too, though, that gets on my nerves. You know, this is the same thing that HaHa Clinton dicks with his complacency. This is Ty Montgomery thinking about something else than his brain and teamwork. And, I mean, the same thing with Jermaine Whitehead. This is the thing with Randall Cobb. If he's going to come out and say things like that, it just shows – Possibly, he doesn't want to be part of the future for the Packers right now. And I don't blame him on that because this has been a very strange year. I've always said it's a, a transitional year right now. I mean, the Packers are 3-4-1. and one. They're two games behind the Vikings and the Chicago Bears, which is something that they weren't expecting here. But this team just, I, I try to be optimistic about it, but there's got to be something more to this that could really make me feel like, okay, we get this win against the Dolphins, then we go to Seattle, Minnesota. How are you supposed to be optimistic about that? I mean, they got to win this game today. Yeah, no, undoubtedly. Like, if you if, if this team loses in front of their home crowd to a Brock Osweiler-led Dolphins team, then <laughs> oh there, there, are, yeah, there are way more problems than we could possibly imagine. And back to your point on Cobb, I mean, I get it. This, you know, he's a veteran. He's been in the league since 2011. Yep. But the reality is, 
he's played in five games this year, and he's in a contract year. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. He's one of two Packers receivers to be a free agent this season, him and Geronimo Allison, who is now done for the season. But Cobb, he's out. He's probably going to be out with a hamstring injury, and he's missed three games this season. So, and he, even in those games, aside from obviously the season opener, he had a, a, a buck forty-two receiving, but he hasn't been effective in any of those games. And the Packers have had to manufacture touches to get him the football. So, you know, to come out and say something like that and and kind of diminish the morale of your team, you know, I, I don't think any of these young players want to hear something like that from one of the respected voices in the locker room. That just kind of that just kind of pushes your morale down the drain. I, I don't think there's anything respectable out, Randall Cobb. Go back a couple years ago when Jordy Nelson – tore his ACL against the Pittsburgh Steelers on preseason. So the Packers decided, okay, Randall, this is your time to shine. We're going to make you the Z receiver. All right, you're going to be the second receiver that's going to be spotted. You're no longer a slot receiver, and he bombed. I mean, he completely, utterly bombed at that point. And we just looked at him like, okay, you're just a slot receiver. And then he's been injured the last couple of years. So, I mean, the thing is, the same thing with Clinton Dix, the same with Montgomery, with Whitehead. If you don't want to be part of this team, Gutekus will take you and he'll send you out because he's not going to mess around. And it doesn't matter anymore. There is no t- player, not named Rodgers right now, that is safe on this team right now. It's funny that you referenced that 2015 season, too, because this Packers offense right now looks a lot like that 2015 team. Yeah, they do. I mean, that Panthers that Panthers game is the one that really shines to me the most a couple of years ago because that was when we thought, all right, Randall Cobb's going to look good here. He comes out, they don't do anything, and it took for the life of them to try and get back into that football game. And it was the same thing that happened here against the Rams, against the Patriots. It always feels like the Packers are one step behind, and then when they get back in the game, somebody makes a critical mistake. Now, to the likes of Aaron Jones... I forgive him for that, but look, I mean, it was his first mistake here, but I mean, the likes of what Tom Montgomery did and all that in the situation that it was, it just made the the Packers look foolish here. So how can we even feel right now as Packer fans that, okay, even if they win this game, and they should win this game, 30-degree weather, there's going to be morning snow in the morning, Miami's record is deplorable in the cold. They are wretched. And so... And the thing is with Brock Osweiler as well, I mean, you can't really look at this and go, if you win, uh, if you lose against Brock Osweiler, I mean, you might as well just say, okay, get the bodyguards out, get the limos out, shaded up windows, and get us out of Lambeau as fast as possible. I I completely agree. And the thing is with Brock Osweiler, he's, he's like a paradox. He's this tall mm-hmm. quarterback, very big, and usually guys like that, they have a better a better kind of degree of playing the position. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't, he's just so bad. He's like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. But the thing is he plays in an offense that is perfect to go up against the Packers defense right now, because let's look at it this way. The Rams came out and ran a no huddle offense up tempo against the Packers defense and they shredded them. Mm -hmm. The Patriots did the same thing. That was one of the, the highly publicized things at the beginning of the game last week against the Patriots. They came out, and they were running what Chris Collinsworth called the hyper-turbo-something offense, whatever the hell he said. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. The hyper-stone heist. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was so terrible. But, yeah, the Patriots ran that against the Packers defense, and they had their way in that first quarter. Like, mm-hmm. there was no stopping them. Now, the Dolphins, led by Adam Gase, who is well familiar with the Packers from his tenure uh, with the Bears, and he was with the Dolphins, or, or no, the, the Lions, sorry, in, the, I believe, the mid-2000s. Um, they run the up-tempo offense more than anybody in the league right now. Yes, so they that do. Is, that is perfect. Even if Osweiler is your quarterback, it could be Dan Orlovsky at quarterback. If he's playing well in that scheme and they're suited to attack the Packers' weaknesses, which it looks like the Dolphins are right now, then we could have a game. We could have a game today at Lambeau Field. Yeah, because they got the likes of Jakeen Grant. That really stepped up. Albert Wilson's having his best year as a pro in ever. And then, of course, you got Mike Gusecki at tight end. I mean, they got good weaponry. They got something there. And then Kenyon Drake, if uh, he can really run the rock as well. I mean, that's that's something that a lot of fans are forgetting about because this Packers defense does have uh, vulnerability. They do have flaws. But, I mean, it's not as bad as they were with Capers. But, I mean, how do how does this defense shut down the Dolphins' offense early? Well, my recipe would be All not right, even here's chef's hat. <laughs> here's my chef's hat. I'm wearing my, my, my Chef Boyer D hat. <laughs> don't even put your defense on the field if you don't have to. Okay. Now, what I mean by that is if you win the damn coin toss, take the freaking ball and put the <laughs> offense out on the field. I know this seems like such a petty thing to worry about, but every single week, the Packers win the coin toss, and they defer. And they let the other team come out on offense first, drive down the field, score an opening drive touchdown. And that completely sets the tone for the rest of the game. Let your, your all-pro, two-time MVP quarterback, your Super Bowl champion quarterback, who is supposed to be the best in the league right now, let him set the tone of the game from, from the get-go, right out of the gate. Put the ball in his hands. That's that's just my stance on it. So combating the Dolphins' offense and the weapons they have, which actually they won't have Albert Wilson. I think he's done for the season, thankfully. Oh, okay. Well, well, thankfully for the Packers, then. obviously. That's my fault. I should have had a little more research on that, but I'll digress. No, no, no worries. But that would be my recipe. Don't even put your defense in a position to fail. Because if Brock Osweiler comes out and he lights his defense up for an opening drive touchdown, then I quit. <laughs> that, that's it, Jake. I'm done. Well, there you go. He's there. You go, Zachary Jacobson. You can follow him at, at Zach A Jacobson, and he said it right here. If the Packers lose today, he's quit. He quits. So, but yeah. I'll stick with him. I mean, uh, through thick and thin. That's that's pretty much uh, when I was born. I came out green and gold at this point. So I I don't really care. Either they rise or they fall. So, I mean, it, it's whatever. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can tweet us at at Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm Jake Turner, alongside staff writer and reporter for Cheesehead TV. He is Zachary Jacobson. Packers-Dolphins, 325 this afternoon. It's going to be stacked. It's going to be sold out since 1960 because that's what Packer fans do. They stay loyal regardless of what is happening. But I don't think anybody saw... What was going to happen when Frank Zignetti Jr. came to the microphone? Oh, no. Zachary, Frank Zignetti 
has been in the NFL for 19 years. He has coached Eli Manning to some of his best seasons. He has coached up a very good Rams offense through 2010 to 2013. When you listen to this press conference, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? He doesn't care. That's obviously a little bit of a stretch because I don't know if he truly does care or not. But based off of that, just over two-minute presser on Thursday, it doesn't seem like he cares at all. And that coy little smile he had on, I know I know our listeners can't obviously see the video, but you can view it on Packers.com, obviously. And if you yep. need to just ask any one of us for the link, we will provide it for you. Mm-hmm. But based on the audio alone, he just doesn't seem like he has any passion for his job you're Aaron Rodgers quarterback coach like what is and he didn't remember what play the reporter I believe it was Tom Silverstein mm-hmm. of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel he didn't he didn't know what play he was talking about you're the you're the, you're the quarterback coach how have you not watched every single play by this point the uh, one from thing, that game and no the the one quote that got to me the most was when they asked about Rodgers. He said, quote, Rodgers is a very accurate quarterback. Okay, Zignetti, this is the top five best quarterback in the NFL, and you're saying about him like he's Matt Ryan, like he's Andrew Luck right now. You have Aaron freaking Rodgers as your quarterback. You don't have Eli Manning. And you come out and you say, very accurate quarterback. What sense does that make? I mean, that's just a, that's a flat-out insult. I, I don't think ever Alex Van Pelt would ever come out and say, yeah, Rodgers is a very accurate quarterback. It's like, it's not college football, Frank. And even then, he's completely wrong. Aaron Rodgers has been, he's been terrible. Yeah. As far as accuracy goes. Yeah. I mean, obviously... The fifteen to one touchdown interception ratio—that's obviously good on a stat sheet. But to get those fifteen touchdowns and that one interception, he has not looked like Aaron Rodgers at all. He has reverted, like I said earlier, back to how he was in twenty fifteen and the early portion of twenty sixteen, where he's skittish in the pocket and he like looks like he doesn't trust his receivers and he's not dumping the ball underneath to make the easy throws. He's looking for the deep shot down the field and he's rolling out of the pocket when he doesn't have to, which I'm sure a lot of this can be attributed to his knee injury, obviously. He's still mm-hmm. working his way back from that. But he's at a 60.6% completion rate right now through those eight games. That's one tick below his 60.7 in 2015. He has missed so many throws that Aaron Rodgers would normally make. And it's obviously that it's obviously he's just not there. And like you said... Alex Van Pelt wouldn't have been that dismissive to the media, when, especially when there's this glaring issue with Rodgers' accuracy and his performance. Tom Clements wouldn't have been that dismissive. Yeah, Joe Philbin either. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's just another black eye right to Mike McCarthy here. And I like Mike McCarthy. I really do. I mean, I admire him for at least trying to revamp the staff here. But when you got guys like Signetti who's coming out here looking like, you know, uh, the coach's version of Cam Newton insulting Jordan Rodriguez last year, I it, it didn't look good. He's like, I don't know what big play you're talking about. How do I look? Uh, do I do I look clean shaven enough? I don't know. I, 
It's just I have no idea. I, I watched that interview three times, and I kept sitting there going, man, could you, could you guys show something? I mean, because, look, they got, after today, they have seven games left at Seattle, at Minnesota, versus Arizona, Atlanta, at Chicago, at the Jets, Lions. There is no excuse that this team cannot go 9-6-1. and one. And I don't even think that's going to be enough to keep Mike McCarthy's job. Now, me and Mark Echo, we talked about this a couple of days ago. And, we ta- and he said that Mike McCarthy is a very good coach. And I agree with that. But I also say at the same time that he's trying to save his job here. And if he doesn't get this team at least to the NFC Championship, I, I really think Mike McCarthy will be done because... This isn't Ted Thompson. This is Brian Gotekust. And Gotekust already looked at this team and went, nobody's safe. Unless your name is Aaron Rodgers, nobody is safe. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world because this offense has so much potential to be good. There are so many weapons at receiver. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, they they have the potential to be one of the best one-two punches in the league at running back. Mm Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers is at the helm. Like, you can't have a better concoction on offense than what the Packers do right now. And it feels like they're just not taking advantage of that. Now, we, I mean, we've been kind of doom and gloom this whole podcast. So we got <laughs> we, we to gotta, we tap into something positive Yes, here. we do. So, all right. So let's do this then. Plain and simple. How do the Packers beat the Dolphins? Establishing the run. Because... This is what I said going into Detroit uh, last month. Mm-hmm. The Lions were one of the worst run defenses in football. They were. At that point, yeah. They were like 31st or 32nd ranked in the league. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Jones had his second lowest carry total in the game this season. He had seven for 40 yards. His last carry came with 12-24 left in the second quarter. Yep. That can't happen. Aaron Rodgers had his most pass attempts in a game. I think 52. That can't happen. Establish Aaron Jones in this this freezing Green Bay weather. Well, it's like it's like summer for them. I'm from California, so obviously it's like you know it's freezing for me. But <laughs> establish Aaron Jones, get the running game going, and that's just going to open up your pass. It's going to make things so much easier for Aaron Rodgers. He killed the 49ers off of play action. He killed the Rams off of play action. It was like a theme for those two weeks. Uh, Sam's the bye week, and. It just disappeared against the Patriots. To their credit, obviously they played it well. But what do you, what do you think? What do you think, Jake? How do they beat the Dolphins? Shut down the running game. Force Osweiler to throw. Force Osweiler to throw the ball, and then also get them off the field. Force those three and outs. Get Rodgers out there. Let them use that weaponry with Marquez Valdez Scantling, with Jimmy Graham, with Devontae Adams, and get this ball down the field for once. I like to see them go against a team that is not below 500 like the San Francisco 49ers and get out to a hot start. Get a 14-0 lead. Make this Miami Dolphin team feel like we're not good enough to be on this field with the Green Bay Packers. Give them that feel. Because the San Francisco 49ers came here on Monday Night Football and they weren't scared. They weren't scared. C.J. Beathard almost beat them. If it wasn't for the Kevin King thing... We'd be talking about a whole different story with the Packers right now. You have to come out and show something. they got to win this game because 
As I told Mark before, they got Seattle. They got the Vikings coming up here. Those are not going to be easy games because you had to travel all the way across the West to Seattle and play in that haunted house of horrors. And then you have to go to the Vikings. Brett Favre had problems in the Metrodome. Aaron Rodgers has already proven he's had problems at U.S. Bank Field. It's not going to be easy. Got to win this game today. At When this kickoff at 325, it's go time. Get the eye blackout. Get whatever you feel like. Get the spirit of Ray Nitschke alive and get this team going here because I want to see this happen. I really do. Oh, man, I feel like I could run through a brick wall right now. <laughs> well, that's what we do. That's what we that do is, here on Pack-A-Day Podcast. That is what Podcast. we do yeah. on Pack-A-Day Podcast. That is beautiful. As Zachary said, plain and simple, is, yeah, it sounds like doom and gloom, Packer fans. I get it. But, I mean, we can't, we can't skim on the details. Like I said, if you want to go and listen to just a, a simple Packers and Dolphins preview, be my guest. But this is why this is one of the best Packer podcasts out there, because we tell it how it is. We bring something outside the box that nobody else is doing right now. Because we're passionate Packer fans, and we're always going to stand by that. So, final question, Zachary. Who wins this game and why? I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers, and obviously that seems a little biased. But I think to your your point, you force Brock Osweiler to throw, you're going to win the game. Yep. Historically speaking, at least, because Brock Osweiler isn't good. And I can touch on 1,500 different reasons why he isn't good. Even though I sometimes like, I, I, I like to stay, I pretend I'm a fake fan of Osweiler on Twitter just because it's <laughs> funny. But, um, yeah, you force Brock Osweiler to throw, and I think the Packers managed to do that tomorrow. They shut down King Andrek. They shut down Frank Gore, who actually... He, he has been good against the Packers yes. based off of his career with the 49ers. When, when he came to Lambeau in 2016 with the Colts, he didn't have a bad day at all. And it's Frank Gore. I, I mean, the guy's like 53 years old now, and he's still running hard. So yeah, I think the Packers managed to shut that down. They forced Osweiler to throw the ball. And if you do that, then that's a good recipe for winning. I still got my I still got my Chef Boyardee hat on, so I can talk all about recipes all I want. <laughs> All right, so you got the Packers winning, just like I told uh, Mark Eckel on uh, Saturday. I'm taking the Packers 31-13. Yes, that's the beatdown that is going to make them feel like, yeah, we can win at Seattle, we can win at Minnesota. And I know I keep harping on this, and I know I'll probably get hit on this on Twitter, and if you want to, go to at Jake Turner Sport. But the fact is, is that they have to win this game because these are the two toughest games left on their schedule. Because... Come on. They got Arizona. They got Atlanta. At home, in the cold, they'll be fine. Then they go at Chicago, in the cold. Rodgers loves playing at Soldier Field. And then, of course, the Jets. The Jets, we have no idea what they are going to be. And then the Lions, who have only won one time at Lambeau Field since 1991. So, it's a favorable schedule. So, we'll find out what happens. Kickoff is just hours away here on the Pack-A-Day podcast. Zachary, this was a lot of fun. I really... Had a great time with you, and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. I got you, man. I gotta, uh, we got to talk to our partners and tell them to miss days more often. You hear that, Andy Herman? Let's do it. All right, Zachary. <laughs> well, I'll talk to you uh, on Twitter, and uh, enjoy the game. All right. You too, man.
All right, that was Zachary Jacobson, uh, staff writer and reporter of Cheesehead TV. Now, if you have any comments or concerns, go to Twitter. Go to at Zach A. Jacobson. Uh, he has been doing phenomenal work, great analysis, along with Andy Herman at Cheesehead TV as well. Uh, you can tweet me at at Jake Turner Sport. You can find this podcast at at Packaday Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Buzzsprout. Hey, listen, this is why we have one of the best Packer podcasts out there, because it is very very difficult not to find this podcast. So just check it out. Enjoy the game. 325 p.m. Central Time. Packers, Dolphins, get it on. Let's go. As for this, I'm Jay Turner. This has been your 24-7th year, 65-day year. Pack-a-day podcast. And we will see you after the Packers-Dolphins game with Andy Herman with his film analysis per usual. Enjoy the game, everybody. And the three best words, the dictionary of the Green Bay Packers always will be Go Pack Go. We'll see you next time on Pack a Day. Third and six, trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Adams! Left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers! 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline. And intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the touch. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6-5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side. He's got it, out of bounds, inside the 10-yard line. Goodness, what a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30. 